for tuning in to our latest episode of Twin Souls, a Best f- Friends podcast. We hope you enjoy our murder, mystery, and mayhem series, and we plan to bring our listeners even more content in the future. We tell you all about ourselves, our lives, and our stories, and somewhere in between, we get into the tough and sometimes funny or sexy topics. Stay tuned for more episodes from us at Twin Souls Podcast. Welcome to our Israel Keys special part two. In this episode, we talk about Lorraine and Bill Courier, who were murdered in Vermont. We dive into Israel's prison interviews, and we finally finish with what was found on him when he was arrested, as well as what was found inside of his kill shed. So kill I, shed. I have. I don't have that information in my. Well, um, the shed he killed Samantha. I just called it a kill shed, but <laughs> it wasn't really as like awesome as it sounds. <laughs> Anyways, uh, I can't. I can't with you. Like you just set me up. <laughs> well, That's well, ridiculous. Some of our listeners like you're laughing, so it works. <laughs> Okay, continue. There was about 40 hours of interviews done with Israel Keys involving several different cases, murders, in an area that spans thousands of miles. Keys would later be found to have no specific profile, uh, victim profile. He would often travel thousands of miles with a thought-out plan on how to cover his tracks. He would use receipts and often use rental vehicles. No, bitch. No. No. Her tail is a moving. Oh my god, I love that dog. Lay down, baby. Lay down. Not now. You have to leave that in. I will. That's hilarious. All right. As you were. Throughout his life, Keyes would have plenty of opportunity, having traveled all throughout the United States, Egypt, Canada, as well as all his military travels to possibly commit crimes. When police finally arrested Keyes, they obtained a search warrant. When police finally arrested Keyes and they obtained a search warrant, Israel realized that they would soon uncover certain and specific amount of information involving his crimes, his murders, certain missing persons. 44 missing people to be exact. Wow. I didn't realize, like, the toll was so high for one person. 44. So 44 missing people uh, were the ones that were actually found on his computer. So these are people he had searched for uh, specifically their names. Gotcha. Um, we don't exactly know if these people are all of his victims. We know he claims to have 11, but we do definitely believe it is higher than that, considering some of his quotes have been said to be Canadians don't count. And were these people found missing or were they just they, they were all confirmed to be missing, yes. Oh, okay. Well, that kind of dumbs it down, almost like he was doing research on the case. Right. 
So did you have other things you looked for in a victim? No, it was, you know, it's just... You're asking what type of people I would pick, or...? Yeah, what type, or whether there was a way... I didn't really have a type. Okay. I had a preference, but then it wasn't... What's the preference? Well... <laughs> lightweight. Is that because of attraction, or because of disposal? Yeah, it's kind of makes it easier. Okay. But... You know, it's not. It's not a deal breaker. So he has basically no specific victim, as he has stated there, which is pretty interesting. He states he ha he did have a preference, and that was lightweight. But he was opposed to other types. I'm assuming. We will learn more that's, about these other types as we kind of go through. Uh, that's what I got from episodes. that. Yeah, I, that's exactly what I got from that audio. In the interviews that took place, Keyes disclosed enough information to confirm what information has been found on his laptops. Here is a clip that we are going to, two clips actually. The first one, he talks about um, investigators talk about other crimes that he's actually allowed to talk about opposed to the Samantha Koenig murder. And the second clip will be talking about him and his daughter, basically. I have to keep more in mind than uh, here and now mm -hmm. because uh, mm -hmm. because uh, things that I've already done are gonna affect my kid as she's growing up. You know, even when I'm not around anymore, she's, you know, I'll, I, I, I'm just debating whether or not I want, how much I want attached to my name. And that's not, uh, I realize that uh, to a certain extent it's beyond my control, but uh, for right now it's still within my control. And, uh, and if we can continue to work together, you know, then, and I think that there's some possibility that uh, we can keep the sensationalism of it all to a minimum, then uh, I don't have a problem with closing some cases. That was interesting. And I don't even think it was the clip that it, that it was supposed to be. But whatever. We'll continue on with the information I do have. So hang on. So, yes. okay, that just kind of blew my mind because okay. he actually seemed to have a lot of sympathy for his daughter in a weird way. So as we will learn, he was actually with his daughter. His daughter was in another car with his brother because it was the truth. He was in Texas, originally in Texas at the time of his arrest uh, for his sister's wedding. So he... So did he actually love and care about his daughter? Does he say that? Does he... 
he doesn't really want to get into too much about his daughter uh, just that basically he doesn't want her to know he none of this information he really wanted to ever come out he wanted to be a serial killer live die and basically no one know anything about him which the only reason people do know about him nowadays i found out from a <laughs> podcast i found out from a podcast and it really drew me in uh, I, I listened to one and then I listened to another which was much more in depth and I just it just drew me in it was so interesting yeah it's just the way he talks about his kid makes me feel like he actually really means that like I feel some care coming from him as weird as that is I know you say he's not like that type of guy but maybe he was towards her he's he, he, he claims to not want to target or not want to not yeah want to not to target people with like young children and stuff like that well then he targets like an 18 year old girl who's the daughter or, who's the daughter of some somebody so sometimes his reasoning seems a little wishy-washy okay he's had an almost relaxed vibe going throughout the interviews often being quoted often quoting that he is more sane than most americans Keyes controlled the conversations, avoiding questions he did not feel he needed to answer or wasn't willing to answer. He even asked for a cigar and coffee in order to reveal some details and to move some cases forward. Throughout the interviews, Keyes confessed to the murders of four people in three different incidents in Washington State. He killed two individuals and he kidnapped and killed a couple. He didn't provide any names on those couples, but we have been able to kind of narrow down some missing victims and missing possibilities in the area. Because he often returned to Alaska after committing or researching these people, he would follow the news of his murders on the internet and on the news. He admitted to killing another person in the east coast of the United States. He buried another body, or sorry, he buried that same body in New York, but he also killed another person in that state. So sometimes he would kill a person in one state, have it to be three, four hour drive to another state, dump the body, and then you drive for example drive back to texas and have his phone bing and check in back in texas but then he would turn back around and travel right back to where he was to what he was doing basically so he would try to track his cover oh he's here but then he has uh we have proof of him being in other places at the same time okay The next victims of Keys that were actually identified were a missing couple named Bill and Lorraine Courier. So as we see, as he had said, he didn't have a specific victim profile. And if you look at the picture of Bill and Lorraine um, in our full picture section, you will notice that they're definitely not small. Um, Bill was said to- They're not thin. They're not thin, no. They were both said to be a little bit bigger on the bigger side, which 
contradicts what he has said about wanting someone small. Like his preferences. Exactly. So here he actually plays a little game of an, an exact quote of, I will give you two bodies in the location. All I care about is to give some sort of closure to whatever families are out there that are still grieving for their loved ones. And that may sound cheesy, it may sound like bullshit to you, but that's all I'm in it for and that's all I think these people are in it for. We're not here to jam you up more and try to, you know, sell you to some local agency. In fact, just the opposite. We'd like to control things. We'd like to control things as quietly as possible. We don't want FBI to study you. I don't want any of that shit. All I want is for this to sort of end. I think I like I told you the first time. Oh, let's just, let's just let it end for as many people as possible, and then you control. All right. Um, I'll give you two bodies and a name, and um, I can give you one of the murder weapons and the rest of the story, like you know everything that happened. But I'm not going to give you the rest. I'll, I'll give. That's all I'll give you today is two bodies and uh, a name. All right. Well, to find it, we're going to need um, the larger screen, the better uh, Google Map, because uh, I I don't you know I don't have. Was the screen that we were looking at the other day? That that might I, it, it might take me a while, but yeah, I can probably find it on that. I need satellite maps though to find it. We might have some paper maps too. Uh, Burlington, Vermont. If that's it, they'll be in the basement. We should look in the basement. Where? Um, I, well, I can show you. We get an overhead view, but it'll be. Uh, let's see, north east corner. And is the basement accessible by inside the house or just outside? Both. And who are we looking for? Last name, Courier, C-U-R-R-I-E-R. -R -R -E Do you have an age? Uh, well, you can pull it up online. There's a lot of stories on it. First name? I don't remember their first names. Are you talking two or one? Two. What's the second name? Both Courier. Sisters? A couple. Man and wife? Yep. How'd you meet him? Didn't meet him. That was pretty intense. Yeah, I, I mean, want to know more. <laughs> like, he just hands it out. I'll give you two bodies and a name. And goes right into it. Give, give me a map and I'll show you exactly where. So, to get more into it, Israel scouted out various abandoned buildings to rape and murder his victims. He landed on an abandoned farmhouse in Essex, Vermont. On the night, on the night of June 6th, Israel arrived in Essex, Vermont. Having retrieved his kill kit, he scoped out locations. He landed on the home of Bill and Lorraine Courier. He immediately cut the phone lines so that no alarm got triggered. He sat behind the swimming pool and waited for all the neighbors and for Bill and Lorraine to go to sleep themselves. And once they did, he broke in through the garage. It took about six seconds for Israel to get to the bedroom and get his demands out. A shock, Bill and Lorraine had no idea what was happening. 
Bill even had a gun that was in the nightstand and it was unloaded. He broke into the room and immediately began tying them up and demanding that they do not speak. They are not to move unless they are told. He used cable ties and tied their hands and feet together. After questioning a couple a couple of times, he took a couple different approaches when questioning the couple, often repeating questions to try and catch the couple and lies to make sure that their stories matched and never changed. He asked for everything, where their phones were, where their guns were, jewelry, money, wallets, keys. When he, when the couple did, Israel came storming back into the room. He grabbed Lorraine by the neck. And this is when Israel realized that the couple weren't really taking him too seriously. He threw her head and her body onto the bed, slamming her face into a pillow and said, even when you think I'm not watching you, I am. Israel was in the house for about 15 minutes after that short 15 minutes, he packed a bag and began to transfer the couple to their vehicle. They finally got their first glimpse of their captured Israel when the dome light came on in their vehicle. The couple attempted to make the situation more personable in hopes of them letting them go. Israel would lie and joke around and go with what they were asking and just play along. They were told they were being kidnapped for ransom, just like Samantha, and that there were other people involved, so not to mess up or not to piss them off. When going through the interviews, Israel would often use information for the couriers as leverage to try and get some help and return some of his girlfriend's property, like her car after it was impounded upon his arrest. In that kill kit he brought to the couriers, he had a propane burner camp stove, a pan for water, a few water bottles with water, 50-foot coil of nylon rope, he had duct tape, latex gloves, also known as a rape kit. Israel drove to where his car was parked back at the hotel. He drove alongside his, parked and transferred some stuff like a shovel, trash bags, Drano is also known to help the decomposition of bodies or to clear your drain. He arrived to the house he spotted and scoped out, drove around the back, and the plan was to take the couple downstairs through the basement access. Israel first took Bill downstairs through the basement, as we said, and he cable tied his hands to a stool that was in the basement. He placed them against the wall in which he thought they were secured and he was secured. He went back outside in which he found Lorraine outside nearly at the road running. He ran to her, tackled her, and he beat her up a little as he says. As he beat her up, he took her back inside the stairs. The thing was, there was a neighbor who parked right across the street, who is a police officer. Fun fact. Wow. 
He takes Lorraine upstairs this time and not downstairs with her husband. He takes her up to a bedroom and lays her on a mattress. He duct tapes her hands, ties her to the bed using a trucker's hitch. He keeps tightening and tightening until she stops struggling. He pulled out some cuffs that were made out of nylon webbing and placed those onto her ankles, looped them back around the bed, and tied it to a pin near the door. And once again, he used another trucker's hitch on her other leg. He went down to the tool room, retrieved some nails, and hammered them into the bedside window. He kept tightening her legs around the nail and another trucker's hitch until she was no longer able to struggle whatsoever and was stuck. It was then Israel heard some commotion coming from downstairs. Uh, it seems like he was getting a little too excited with Lorraine and tying her up that he forgot that Bill was downstairs. So he goes back downstairs and the stool Bill was attached to broke and the table <clears throat> and the cable ties came off. Bill was trying to be reasonable and trying to get Israel Keys to stop what he's doing. But the thing is, what he doesn't know, Israel Keys had it all planned. In his interviews, Israel talks for over two hours about his crimes and which included torture. After I found that house and decided that it was probably that it was probably just a couple. I think I even had it pegged down just from looking at the outside that it was probably an older couple just because of the way they had their backyard set up. They had like a swimming pool and a deck and a barbecue and it just looked like a, you know, like an older couple that didn't have kids kind of house. And um, so I knew there was probably only one room in the house that was being used as the bedroom. and. Uh, I walked around the house and then I found, I was pretty sure I had found it just from walking around the house. Oh, that room you Yeah, because I heard, uh, even though the blinds were closed, I heard fans running in it and it was hot that night. It was really hot and muggy and it had been raining. And so I, I already knew, I like in my head, before I even went into the garage, I already had in my head about what the layout of the house was. It was just a ranch house, so it wasn't hard to figure out. Yeah, but I mean, I knew that they, you know, you always think of that, <laughs> like to, and they did. They had a gun right there in the nightstand, but it, you know, just which gun was on the nightstand? That. That first interview. Here he says he knew they had no children and that they were the perfect targets, basically. This next one, he goes into some graphic detail. What happened to Bill? And I actually decided to cut out what happened with Lorraine and type that up myself instead. So here we go with the first of two clips for the next part. I mean, at that point, like I say, he had just reached a point where he wasn't gonna cooperate no matter what. And uh, I didn't have the Ruger 1022 on me. I had it, it was upstairs in the backpack. I had my 40 cal and I had a knife and I didn't want to use the knife on him because it might make a big mess and uh, 
So I think I, I just kind of grabbed him by the neck and pushed him up against one of the posts and put the knife to him. And he still, like, he had his hands out, but he still wasn't doing what I said. And, uh, and then I got, started getting pissed. And I just told him, I was like, I have, I have a gun upstairs. And, you know, if, if you want to do this the hard way or do it the easy way, it's up to you. He didn't really believe me or take me seriously or whatever, so there was a there was a shovel in the basement and I hit him with that a couple times and he and he was still trying to wrestle with me and stuff and I just came to the realization that, you know, he wasn't gonna stop fighting and uh, and so I knew I was either gonna have to knock him out or just kill him. Uh, but by then I already had her all set up upstairs and it was, you know, it's like, it was annoying me that I was having to deal with him. And so I went back upstairs, I, I like ran back upstairs. And so I'm just gonna pause this really quickly. So he states he was ready for her. He had her ready all the way upstairs. He was planning on going back upstairs if he could tie him up and subdue him and raping her and torturing her and killing her first. From my understanding of what he just stated. <laughs> Do you think the same? And he also said that he was annoyed. <laughs> yeah, like, he, he was annoyed that he had to come and deal with this. Yeah, it was inconveniencing that, him. Yeah, it was inconveniencing him. Let's see what else happens. <laughs> By then I was all amped up and grabbed my, uh, grabbed the 1022 out of the backpack. I didn't want to shoot him with a 40 cal because there was a car, there was a cop car right across the road. I don't know if it was the sheriff's house or if his car was just there. Parked in the driveway or something? Yeah, it was like only, there was a house probably only 100 yards away. And I, the 40 cal was loud and I was paranoid about using it. So. So I grabbed that and I grabbed the silencer and I put that on and I was only, I was upstairs for maybe not very long, like 20 or 30 seconds and she was still on the bed. She couldn't move anywhere at that time, but she could tell that things were not going well. I think I was cursing and stuff and um, like he kept yelling up at the, after the, up after me up the stairs. He was like, where's my wife? What's going on? And, and I was like, I told you, you're not going to cooperate. You're going to do it the hard way. And uh, and uh, I came back downstairs, and he was standing at the bottom of the stairs in the basement still. It was like, he, he didn't have any light. But I could tell when I came down the stairs, like, he was, uh, he was trying to figure out, like, some way to fight me. He was, like, feeling around for a something to hit me with and I came back down the stairs and, and I saw that and I said, oh, you're still not going to cooperate and I uh, I had the gun out in front of me, like pointed from the hip and uh, had my headlamp on and he saw the gun and he started to say something and it just pissed me off and I just started pulling the trigger and uh, he threw his arms up, kind of crossed him in front of him it seems like and he just makes it sound like another day at the park laughing and like giggling and he really is so proud of himself at, at this point he's saying bill tries to protect himself by throwing his hands up in front of him to stop israel fired the trigger 10 times into bill 
And by the tenth time the gun was fired, Bill was still standing, but began falling. Bill Courier was the first and last person Israel killed by shooting to death, as he states. Israel sat there long enough and waited to make sure that Bill was actually dead and he wasn't going to go anywhere. Israel returned back upstairs to Lorraine. This next part is going to be a little graphic, so if you don't want to hear about it, I would say skip the next minute. Yeah, trigger warning, rape. Israel returns back upstairs to Lorraine and begins undressing her. When Lorraine realized Israel was going to rape her, she began struggling again. Israel planned exactly what he had planned for Lorraine or any woman that he had caught that time. He had certain things he actually wanted to do and was prepared to do them. Lorraine was horrifically raped and tortured by Keys. After the first time, he wasn't finished. He went back for her a second time. This time, he gagged her by using paper towels, shoving them into her mouth, and duct taping her until she choked until she passed out. He placed the towels into her mouth and duct taped her mouth shut again. She didn't struggle anymore. He threw away everything she had touched and placed them into bags. He brought her dead body and the bags downstairs. So, oh. She wasn't dead yet, but she was extremely out of it. And as we know from the Chris Moths, when the, his daughters were suffocated, they came back, and when they came back, it was said that they were extremely out of it, and some brain damage had occurred. So actually, um, new update, there's a new theory out about Chris Watts that we will talk about in a new episode. And, and, how do you, how do you get out of this? Okay. Hang on, just for a second. Okay, so if you're enjoying this episode so far, please like, share, and follow us on all of our social media. Find us on Instagram at at TwinSoulsPodcast underscore. He brought Lorraine back downstairs. She was extremely out of it. He stood behind her while she sat there on a bench. He He placed a piece of nylon cloth over her neck and strangled her to death. He then placed a cable tie around her dead body and tightened it until he could no longer tighten it anymore. Israel, suffice with what he had done, placed their bodies in plastic bags. He poured the Drano he had purchased down their necks to speed up the decomposition process. He dragged the bags into a corner, covered them with debris, When Israel moved Bill's body in the bag, he let out his last breath. As we know, if people die, sometimes they do have air left in their bodies. So if they move, it seems like they just uh, let out a breath, but they didn't. They just let it out. It's called a, yeah, it's called a death rattle. Oh, I didn't know that. That's, he let out a death rattle. Yeah. So it's basically like, last very last breath you take 
it's like a rattle noise it's it's you can listen to it on youtube <laughs> okay okay i will it was 6 a.m by the time israel plans israel's plans had finished it was too late for him to torch the house like he had planned he had also planned to rob a bank with their vehicle however after driving the vehicle a little ways away he realized the vehicle wasn't in the type of road trip that he planned like condition exactly as he was driving back through he made a pit stop to burn every any evidence he had and he was amped up and actually wanted to kill again he came across a young married couple at a new hampshire park national park and he actually stalked this couple uh shortly afterwards and still amped up for a little while in this park however he did notice that there was a park ranger's vehicle nearby so he decided against uh, doing another murder so he was genuinely kind of like pussy against the cops huh like he just didn't want to get caught there's been he states there's been times where he was pretty close to being caught and he's actually like as we say as we know for a fact he was not on anybody's radar they pulled him over because the vehicle matched the transactions of what was happening with samantha's debit card so we know for a f- uh i don't even know where, where i was going with that <laughs> okay so israel had stated that the courier murder he wasn't actually proud of this guy had killed quite a few people before this so the fact that he was actually messy with the couriers um in the way that they almost got away multiple times um, yeah but the thing is the only reason we know about the couriers is because he told us he knew we would eventually find out about the couriers uh, because they were part of the 44 that were 44 missing people that were on his computer gotcha and as he, he stated he actually looked for the couple on the computer quite often and he knew that it's the couriers you will find a lot of information he had stated so so yeah so they so were they found already or people didn't know like what was going on with them at first like because he said you could follow them on the internet so does that mean they were found and it was just unsolved so he still had the courier's car so he switched back into his car ditched the courier's car and gotcha. he was driving back through vermont uh, as he was coming from as he drove back from maine oh yes because he went to maine because he wanted to commit another murder so as he was coming back from maine to vermont and through vermont he drove by and realized the police had actually already found the courier's cars okay gotcha their car and their home had crime scene tape on it already so it was it was pretty quick that they actually found them because neither of them reported to work the next day and then their car was randomly found so with this he left vermont but he kept tabs on the courier's 
So I was thinking, well, to be on the safe side, I really should have torched that car anyway. And so I decided to take the same route back from Maine and just drive by the complex and see if I figured if they hadn't found the car, I would have stayed in Burlington that night and gone and picked it up and, uh, and torched it that night. But when I drove by the complex, I saw that there was crime scene tape where the car had been. So I was like, okay, that answers that question. They found the car, so. All right, since we last met, um, we've been following up on what you told us about the couriers. Um, and I want to let you know that the farmhouse where uh, you left the bodies of Bill um, and Lorraine Courier, it has been demolished. When the FBI went out there, they found it had been demolished. But starting today, they are going to be doing excavation on that farmhouse. So when they went there, as I understand it, I wasn't there, but it was gone. But they're going to be doing I guess excavation. I spoke too soon on that one. <laughs> Well, no, I think I don't think you spoke too soon. If you remember, you gave us that information because it was a way to move us forward. Right. So. Um, well, that and I figured they would have been found pretty soon, but I didn't know it had been demolished. So. Well, we didn't. Whatever. Either, we didn't either. Whatever happens, Israel. happens. <laughs> okay, but at least you know we didn't know that, right? Yes. So, I, I, and I'm telling you that I'm not going to hide it from you. I could have come here today and said, you know, thanks, and never mentioned the ex that it was demolished, but I want you to know that, okay? All right. All right, so it's been demolished. Um, starting today, they're excavating the site. I don't know what they're gonna find, but we'll let you know, okay? They probably just filled it in. That's possible. It's gonna be in the the bodies, unless they got moved around when they demolished it, they're gonna be in the southeast corner of the basement. Okay, and, and I know they're in the plastic bags you described to us. Are they looking, how many plastic bags should they be looking for? Four. All right. They're com the bodies were completely covered, and they were underneath a lot of debris that I piled on top of them, like Is wood and uh, trash. And anything whatever. particular? Any large item? If they're excavating, what would they look for? Along the back wall of the basement, there was a big uh, built-in shelf unit um, made out of wood. I'm guessing if they demolished it the way they do most buildings back there, they probably just. Uh, tore off the top part of the house and then filled in the bottom and called it good. So the bodies, unless they, if they had bothered to pull everything out of the basement, they probably would have found them. So I'm guessing they just buried everything where it was, um, which means the, the bodies should still be in that back. Um, it's the corner facing the road, the east corner facing the road. And, and I don't know the details, but we're going to know more probably by... Yeah, the, I'm sure the foundation is still there. I mean, once the, the, the bodies were right on the slab, so once they get to the slab on the basement, they'll find them. Okay. Well, we'll let you know. We're just going to tell you what whatever they find. And, and you were you were also the, in your last meeting talking about uh, the house, the, the, the courier house, and maybe had some concerns about whether we... Let's finish so, Israel's plan to go back, torch the car, torch the house, were useless. The house was demolished. The demolition, the demolition crew did not alert the authorities because it was stated that there was a smell coming from the house, coming from the basement. But they said, whatever, probably some dead animals has been an abandoned house for how long? There was an extensive search for these four garbage bags that came up with nothing. All of Israel's crime and evidence was long gone. 
This room often had a lot of different topics and subjects to talk about. When the FBI would hit a roadblock, he, they would ask about his early life, sometimes about his career, sometimes about his time in the military. But what would really get him talking would be mentioning serial killers. He got away with it for a long time. That was the most disappointing thing about him, is that he never had to get caught. He just got bored, so that he was too much, uh, he was too soft in his old age to actually go out and do anything against me. He decided to go the publicity route without actually doing anything, and that's what was disappointing. He was also pretty unusual in that he, uh, he was able to stop. Plus, I saw the live prison interview, and my impression of him his personality is that um, he was actually sorry yeah. for the things that he had done younger, kind of like repented or thought he was trying repenting of his ways kind of thing. And I think that was I don't real know or was I think it was for real. Because I honestly, I don't think if it was, I don't think if he really didn't believe that he was repenting of his sins, I don't think he ever would have stopped. Because he stopped for like 20 years. That's, I don't know, in my mind that's impossible. Why, why do you say that? Just because of the, the way he, uh, the way he killed people, the, you know, it's a pretty obsessive, compulsive act to kill someone that way. It's not, it's not like you're a gangbanger doing a drive-by or something, so. This weird talks about his sympathy for BTK. I was gonna actually like remove that whole part and use it for another episode. Cause now we need now we actually need to jump back into the Samantha Kone case to go over a little bit of the timeline of what happened in between um, his family trip to New Orleans in their cruise. So let's jump back into the Samantha Kona case for one for a few minutes. So when Israel left Samantha for dead in the shed, he and his family left that same morning. They left for approximately two weeks. They flew from Alaska on February 2nd to Houston. They rented a car and stayed a night in Houston road trip down to Lafayette, Louisiana, which was about three hours away. They stayed another night in Lafayette and drove to New Orleans on February 6th. They got onto a cruise for about five days. So I had thought originally they had went on a two-week cruise, but that wasn't the case. They had went for five days on this cruise. They arrived back in New Orleans on February 11th. The family traveled back to Texas, this time to take a stop at Israel's mother's house in Lufkin, Texas. So as we know, Lufkin, Texas is pretty much the area that he was arrested in, uh, probably a couple weeks later, not even a couple weeks later. So, at approximately on 6.30, 
On February 13th, Israel left his mother's host alone, saying and leaving a note that said he was going to bury some guns. He immediately shut his phone off so that there was no record of where he actually went. That, however, wasn't the case. We actually do have a record of where he went, or at least a partial record. That evening, as he left and was missing, he turned his phone back on and texted his girlfriend, Kimberly, saying that he was stuck in the mud. He then shut his phone back off. The next day, on February 14th, he turned his phone on once again. This time, he sent a text message that said he was at Cleborne, Texas Mall. He was parked in the parking lot, and this was at approximately 5.30 p.m. He once again shut his phone off. So it's Valentine's Day, and he's he seems to be deliberately not wanting to even see his girlfriend who he just traveled on a family vacation with. Pretty much ditched him at his parents' house and left for some reason or another. What a dick. Right? And when he turns it on, again, he calls his mother. And it's such a weird situation. He calls his mother and said that he was on the opposite side of the mall because they had actually gone looking for him and couldn't find him and had sent a few text messages. He had said something weird like his credit cards were frozen, like that had anything to do with what was happening and that I guess he was dealing with it. Um, He did not go back to his mother's again. Israel, having just killed Samantha, was in a frenzy. We know with Bill and Lorraine, he had actually planned to kill again almost immediately afterwards, but chose not to. I wonder if this is the case here. After leaving Cleborne, Texas, he traveled to Aledo, Texas, where he actually committed a burglary as well as an arson on February 16th at approximately 11 a.m. Um, He drove next to Azle, Texas, where he once again committed another bank robbery, uh, this time at the National Bank of Texas. This time, he taped a piece of human hair to a construction hat which he left behind. This hair was actually human hair and confirmed to be human hair. Samantha's. He headed back to his mother's after these two bank robberies. He picked his family up, drove back to Houston in their rental vehicle, and they flew back to Alaska. Upon Alaska, as we know, he returned, cleaned up his shed, disposed of Samantha's body, and took the infamous photo in which Samantha's eyelids were sewed open to make it look like she was still alive. These actions sealed Israel's fate which eventually led to his arrest a few weeks later in Lufkin, Texas. The last piece to Samantha Koenig investigation is what was actually found in his vehicle when he was arrested, as well what we found in the shed in Alaska. Okay, the first thing we are going to go over is what was actually found on Israel Keys and Israel Keys' car rental car when he was arrested. 
There was a folding lock blade knife, a Pantech flip phone, one pair of black size 12 wrestling shoes, a Leatherman wave tool, a duffel bag, seven unopened DVDs, one partial box of backwood cigars, also known as blunts, one set of binoculars, one opened box of DVDs, a digital camera, an MP3 player, gray and white size 12 tennis shoes, a Samsung cell phone, a Lenovo computer, a US map of Interstate 80 highlighted from Utah to Wyoming, another portion of the US interstate map, I-5 highway north to South Carolina highlighted, two pairs of black glasses, one pair of amber shooting glasses, one Avis map of Las Vegas, Utah, and Arizona. A gray, double extra large Fruit of the Looms t-shirt with the left sleeve cut out. A Walmart receipt dating from March 12, 2012 at 4 a.m. in Lufkin, Texas. A key ring with rings. A king king-size zigzag papers, a headlamp, a green and gray backpack, Israel's passport, two DVDs opened, the first one titled Combat Zone, and the second one, you ready for this, titled Exquisite Productions Ultimate T-Girl Full Service Transsexuals Volume 2. Oh my. An unknown photo of a black woman with numbers on them. Gray and black men's gloves. A gray hooded sweatshirt size extra large. A shovel. 22 caliber revolver. A 40 caliber semi-automatic rifle. Two 40 caliber 15 round magazine clips. A February 17th Jacksonville, Texas receipt from Walmart, this time for a shovel, lube, and air freshener. A digital trunking handheld scanner. Heat sealed bag with $1,018 in it. A heat sealed bag with Samantha's debit card and her pen written to the front of the bag. A man's brown wallet. And what was inside the wallet was a Walmart money card issued to Keys, an Alaskan business check card issued to Israel Keys Construction, five various credit cards, a Safeway club card, a health card, two State Farm Alaskan cards, Proof of Registration General Contract Card, Costco Card, a Petco Card, a three-day Vermont Sporting License issued for June 2011. So this would be around the time he was scoping out the Vermont area. An Alaskan seven-day fishing license issued between 2010 and 2011. 
a medical examiner's certificate, six wallet-sized photos of his daughter, stepson, his girlfriend, and their three dogs. There is 359 US dollars and Israel Keys Alaskan driver's license. That wasn't the last of what was found. There was multiple searches in multiple areas, including his old boat, his homes, his old childhood homes, his girlfriend's homes, uh, vehicles, friends' homes, just to name a few. Another search that was done was of the kill shed. Inside the kill shed, the shed in which Samantha died, was pieces of wire with screws on the end, a five-gallon bucket, vacuum sweepings, eight white drop cloths, maroon drop cloth, a yellow-handled axe, a camping trailer, two portable heaters, two tackle boxes, two metal poles, eight 88-inch cable ties, two cordless sawzaws, a brown tarp, a small barbecue grill, a fishing pole, two utility knives, Mr. Murder by Dean Coots, a cordless drill, a 20-ounce bottle of Mountain Dew, a Gatorade G2 bottle, a garden sprayer with Samantha's blood found on it, scissors, bailing wire, two bungee cords, dryer sheets, garbage bags, cordless circular saw, swabs from the back wall of the shed, green rope, a staple gun, electrical tape, 15 gauge pads used to soak up liquid, used black zip ties, a sponge, a yellow hanging hook, an exacto scalpel, yellow twine on a spool with unknown stains, a 40, sorry, not with a yellow twine on a spool, a 40 caliber Smith and Weston ammo clip a single latex glove, plexiglass with unknown stains, one black hair, and a bone fragment that belongs to Samantha Keys. So, Samantha Koenig. Bone fragment that belongs to Samantha Koenig. So what did he end up doing with her anyway? Um, if we go back to the first episode, he uh, dismembered her body, took her right. to a frozen Alaskan lake, and dropped her in. And this was be- uh, before he actually passed out the ransom letters. Okay, you're right. Okay, because so she was already dead in that yes. photo. Exactly. So he was just trying to get money. He was. He was just trying to get money. Okay, I'm caught up. So when he did these bank robbings and when he did um, the killings, he would often come into money shortly afterwards. So sometimes his um, 
credit card bills would be paid in full, or he would make a like a five thousand dollar payment here or there. Gotcha. So he had all these suspicious transactions, but he had reasons. So he quote unquote air quotes reasons for how he got the money legally. I guess. Okay. Gotcha. We hope you enjoyed part two of Israel's special. Stay tuned for part three, which will be all about Israel's suicide, family home, what was found on that property in New York, the military interviews as well. We try to break down all of his crimes, his victims, as well as we possibly try to explore the 44 missing people that Keys had searched for on his computer yeah that's it i can't wait for the other part now i'm like invested right the the next parts are gonna come in a little while i got notes and notes to work on because i'm like oh i found this person i found that person well they're not this and that person but there's not too much more information to go over i love the clips i think they just add like i don't know just it just makes it yes Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? I totally agree. I totally agree. So people can hear what you're actually talking about. Of course. Of okay. Course. Well, that was awesome. Oh, we got to get that in, that last um, Instagram. Oh, yep. Okay. Kill so, if you enjoyed this episode, please like, share, and follow us on all of our social media, including Facebook, and find us on Instagram at at Twin Souls Podcast underscore. Stay tuned for more episodes from us at Twin Souls Podcast.